0: the bible it's the word of god sharper than any two-edged sword this sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness stay with american family radio for the next hour as we study god's word and take your bible questions welcome to exploring the word
1: well good afternoon and welcome to exploring the word here on american family radio i'm jim stanley sitting in for brother Bert harper today and I'm joined this afternoon by the one, the only, the majestic Dr. Alex McFarland.
2: Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, God bless you. I'm a saved sinner who's excited about Jesus. But... I
1: always love it when I can catch him speechless. You know, just...
2: <laughs> I, Well, you know, um, Jim, traveling as I do on behalf of the ministry, preaching I love the country, it's always an honor. It's very humbling to meet people who hear us on the radio, and they'll always like... Uh Alex McFarlane, I listen to Exploring the Word, and they'll they'll look me up and down and they'll be like, Huh. <laughs> you know, it's like kind of a letdown, isn't it? <laughs> but I'm just I'm just a guy and I love the Lord and we do love the Word of God. And Jim, it's always an honor to be on with you. Um, a man, in addition to leading a radio network, you are mighty in the word. I well, know that, and it's good to be with you, Jim. It's
1: good to be with you, sir. Well, we're going into the 20th chapter of the book of Acts today, and we're going to talk about some of Paul's journeys into Greece. But before we get there, uh, because we had a a Fireway Friday recorded program there, and then we had a recorded program yesterday due to some things uh, with me personally, I wasn't able to make it to the office like I thought I would. And so uh, I want to go back and Alex just kind of Bring us up to speed, if you would, as to where we're going as we're about to head into Greece.
2: Well, uh, well, great question. And, you know, uh, the book of Acts has been so amazing because, uh, well, um, Paul's first missionary journey was back there in Acts chapter 13, and we've watched Paul get more and more bold as, as a preacher. He was in Antioch and Iconium and Derbe, and then... You know, there are two Antiochs, really, uh, Pisidian Antioch in Acts 13, and then what was called Syrian Antioch in Acts chapter 14. And there was a council in Jerusalem, and the church is being, I think, sharpened by the Holy Spirit towards theological purity. Paul uh, hears this Macedonian call, uh, and he ministers in Philippi. And, of course, very famously in Acts chapter 17, uh, Paul was in Thessalonica, Berea, and Athens, of course, Greece and Athens being this seat of academia and, and people who prided themselves on their own intellect. And Paul said, there's a God that's unknown to you, the unknown God, and I'm going to declare him to you. And so then in chap, uh, chapter 18, he preached in Corinth and went to Ephesus. Now... Macedonia and Greece. And Jim, I've said on the show a time or two, I love Macedonia because I became a believer at a church called Macedonia Baptist Church. And whenever a church uses Macedonia in the title, a lot of times maybe that church will be very missions-minded because uh, Paul had a call to go to Macedonia, and he did. But there, there had been riots And I'll say this, and we'll segue into 20, a lot of the the Jewish unbelievers had spread rumors, and um, then there were not only Jewish unbelievers, but idol makers there that, um, you know, the silversmiths, when the God uh, to, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the name, it wasn't Dionysus, it was... um, well, it'll come to me here in a minute, but the these idol-makers, they made little statues of Artemis and several of the false gods, and so there was really kind of a riot uh, at the end of 19, because so many people were becoming Christians, the idol-makers weren't able to sell their little statues of Diana. And so um, Paul and them, uh, they preach, they get run out of town, and now... Uh, in verse one of chapter 20 it says, after the uproar was ceased, Paul called unto him the disciples and embraced them and departed for to go into Macedonia. And when he had gone over those parts he had given them much exhortation. And you know Paul was not only an evangelizer, he could exhort and encourage. and Jim, I think the body of Christ continually needs that even to this day, don't we don't don't we need, Uh, The encouragement and the exhortation, urging, really, to stay strong in spite of circumstances.
1: Oh, we do. And I think, you know, uh, we've talked about spiritual gifts and and gifts of ministry and things. And I think that encouraging, you know, one of the, the ministries of encouragement is so important. And so you can see how that ties in. You know, when we look at some of the letters of Paul, Some of them are correcting, but by and large, he always ends with encouragement. And so we kind of find that in his life here as well.
2: We do. And, you know, um, let me say, the, the nation of Israel in modern times has never had a better friend than the evangelical church. Mm -hmm. And second only to evangelical Christians has been really the United States of America. Jim, I know when you and I have been at a convention we go to every year called National Religious Broadcasters, NRB, frequently uh, the Israeli Ministry of Tourism and members of the Knesset will have a breakfast, and I've been to some of these breakfasts. And Jim, I remember one of the very first NRB conventions I was at uh, this was in Nashville a decade ago, and you were there, and Tim Walman and everybody was there. And one of the members of the Israeli parliament said to the audience of Christian leaders, they said, look, um, the nation of Israel has never had a better friend than the evangelical Christians of the USA. Now, that's true, but nevertheless, um, we, we do want to read the Bible for what it says, and I'm going to read Acts 20, verse 3 because there were, uh, obstructing Paul, really, what might be called anti-missionaries. And it says there, Paul, Paul and his team abode there three months. And when the Jews laid wait for him, as he was about to sail into Syria, he purported to return through Macedonia, and they accompanied him into Asia. All right, here's the thing. Periodically throughout the growth of the church... In many ways, false accusations, um, doing, paying, bribing people. Um, The Jews that opposed the gospel at that time did their utmost to obstruct the church. And Jim, while I, I love the Jewish people, and of course, like Scripture itself, we want all to be saved, there have been people throughout history, for one reason or another, that have had a vested interest in fighting against the gospel. And that's a reminder that we are in a, a, a battle of spiritual warfare. Because if it was just the message of the gospel, hey, it's compelling. Christ arose, the tomb is empty. That's very compelling. But we're in a spiritual battle, and Satan doesn't want people to believe. And sadly, uh, in the first century and even the 21st century, Satan blinds people. And Paul had his foes. You and I will have ours. Keep our eyes on Jesus. Christ is victorious.
1: Amen. You know, uh, and folks, I want to let you know, too, if you hear some intermittent transmissions this afternoon from your radio, uh, we have had a a pretty good storm system come through Tupelo itself. And so we may be drifting in some rain fade. So probably nothing wrong with your radio, just... uh, little rain fade every now and then but by and large uh, the system has kind of moved past us and so hopefully everything's back to normal Uh, but Alex you know as as you look through these scriptures here and you see that men from Berea had accompanied them this far and then uh, some others and then Paul sends those on ahead uh, to kind of prepare the way for them, so they'd know, you know, where they were going to be and what they were going to do. Uh, but in verse seven, and I don't mm-hmm. want to take anything away from those other verses there. If there's something you feel like we need to hit on, then we will. But verse seven in, in in chapter twenty is a is a really interesting verse to me, and it it's one of those that we've used to answer the question about the Sabbath we've not said the sabbath has changed but that that christians observe the first day of the week to gather to worship together to the you know for the lord and it this is one of the verses that we base that in isn't it
2: well it is it is and we celebrate resurrection day the first mm-hmm. day of the week when jesus rose from the dead and we've talked about it many times that you know we are in a perpetual Sabbath because we're in Christ. You know, we we don't have to observe the Saturday Sabbath in order to be saved. And uh, so that's, uh, you're right, um, the first day of the week they came together to break bread and Paul preached unto them. And th- there is so much, let, let me just encourage people to read, before we and I want to really do justice to six through twelve because it is just so wonderful, but they go through all these places in Asia. Uh, you'll see a little name um, of uh, of a man there, um, Secundus. Do you see that in verse four? Mm-hmm. I, I want to. It's it's interesting because there's debate over what this name means, but among other things, a helper, and S E C U N D U S. Well, in missions work, if one missionary group lends somebody to another missionary group, uh, they call it to secund, S-E-C-U-N-D. And I remember when I was doing some work, this is 15 years ago with Chuck Colson, Colson's ministry had a very key person who for a year went to work for Tony Perkins in FRC. And I heard that word secund, that this one missionary group would for no cost or anything, lend a staff member to help this other one. And they said he was seconded to this other group for a while. And that comes right there of Acts 20, verse 4, who was one of Paul's helpers. And to this day, if we second a worker to another group, well, we're lending a resource. Because, you know, uh, tools and computers, we think of physical objects as resources. But I want to say for every church and every ministry, the greatest resource of all I mean, next to the Holy Spirit, of course. But the greatest resource is people. And so people have been a part of the gospel mission from from the get-go. But they worship on Sunday. They come together for the breaking of bread. Verse 7, Paul preaches to them. And Paul's going to leave the next day. So he church goes late that night, Jim. Sure did. Uh, <laughs> Paul preached up into midnight. Maybe because he knew his departure was imminent. He thought, I'm going to... Uh, preach a filibuster here. But what happens? This is a, a very wonderful story, isn't it?
1: It is. And uh, he continued his message until midnight. Then in verse 8, there were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. And in a window sat a certain young man named, I've never been able to pronounce that.
2: Eutychus, uh, uh, U-
1: who well. was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep, and as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul Mm. went down, fell on him, embracing him, said, Do not trouble yourselves, for his life is in him. And now when he had come up, had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even until daybreak, he departed. And they brought the young man in alive, and they were not a little comforted. And so... By the way, that does not mean they weren't comforted. It means they were comforted a great deal. But Exactly. you know, when you think about falling asleep in church, you know, it's... <laughs> it goes back to the beginning, it doesn't does. it? It does. It sure does. And, you know, I guess if I was preaching till midnight, I'd probably put some folks to sleep, too. This is Exploring <laughs> the Word on American Family Radio. We'll be back in just a moment, and we'll have more of this... 20th chapter of the Book of Acts, coming your way straight ahead on AFR.
3: This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today,
0: we pray for Kelly McKeague, Director of the Prisoner of War and Missing in Action Accounting Agency. Mr. McKeague oversees the global efforts to account for our missing military personnel from past conflicts. Galatians 6-9 reminds us of the importance of good and noble work. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for your guidance for Mr. McKeague. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.
3: Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Our National Leadership Prayer Journal guides you in daily prayer for our country's leaders and provides historical insights on our nation and scripture. Available now at PauseToPray.org.
0: Dr. Tony Evans says instead of asking God to make a way ahead of us, We ask him to clean up after us, but that's not the relationship God wants. And we'll learn more about that today as we spend two minutes with Tony.
3: Much of what we want God to do in our lives is take care of our mess, because we have ruled ourselves or gotten other people to act like God in our lives, and we need God to fix it up. He says, I want you to go after My rule in your life, I want you to find out, pursue, run after, locate. What do you do in life when you don't know a certain area that you need to know about? You find somebody who does. Many of us wouldn't be dealing what we are dealing with today if he was checked ahead of time. What God says is because I was not checked with in your life, your decision making with regard to time and money and parenting and relationships and this and that and because I was never consulted the only time you use me is to fix up your mess to bail you out of your predicament and in grace he often does but that's not the relationship he wants he wants to be on the front end I love it when members are seeking well what does God think about this before they made the final decision? Because that means they are seeking God first. The issue is first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God.
0: And that's the subject of Tony's CD series, Restoring God to His Rightful Place. Check it out online at TonyEvans.org. And then be sure to join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio.
1: You may have heard me drumming on my Bible there just a bit as we were coming back with that song. Uh, And you know, it's so interesting that we come back to Mighty to Save. When we see that exercise through Paul, where he's actually saved a young man from death, haven't, don't we, Alex?
2: Amen. Amen. You know, Jim, uh, you've done a lot of preaching and ministry, and and Bert has, and, and I have. Um, i got to tell you, if you fall asleep during one of my messages, I can't promise that I could raise you back to life. But the Apostle Paul could do that. So here's a young man, and, you know, it talks about, in verse 8, the lights in the upper chamber. And, you know, maybe it was really hot and stuffy. They're upstairs. There's you know, torches or candles providing lights. And Jim, I don't want to spiritualize too much, but I love the way the old King James renders that lights in the upper chamber. Mm -hmm. Let me say this. You, you want the light of God's word in your heart, in your mind, let there be lights in the upper chamber. But this young man is sitting in the windowsill verse nine, Eutychus. And um, again, Jim, I, I want to preemptively ask forgiveness if I'm spiritualizing too much. But he wasn't out or in. He was sitting in the windowsill. That's right. And, f- friend, um, the middle of the road is not where you want to be. And he falls out. He fell into a sleep. And Eutychus won't be the first or the last that fell asleep and fell away. But they go down there. I mean, third story. This is high up off the ground. Now, the Apostle Paul is is my hero, Jim. And every now and then I've had people ask, we've had folks call on the show and they'd say, well, you know, there's Billy Graham and there's, you know, D.L. Moody. uh, Who was the greatest Christian ever? Mm -hmm. Uh, um, And we keep our eyes on Jesus, of course. But I, I think the Apostle Paul has got to be the exemplar of exemplars because who else but Paul? It's like, hang on, folks, just give me one minute. He runs downstairs, raises this young man from the dead comes back, and it says in verse 11, now now remember in verse 9 it says, Paul was long preaching. And we ministers can be guilty of that. He comes back, he's raised this guy from the dead, and it says, Paul talked a long while, even till break of day, so he departed. Now, I'm guilty of being long-winded, but Jim, I've never preached till sunrise, have you? No, sir, I have not. <laughs> but... Uh, preaches a message, exhorts the church, performs a miracle, wraps up the sermon, and sails on away. Um, And like you said in verse 12, they brought back the young man alive, and they were not a little comforted. In fact, they were a lot comforted. Mm -hmm. And it's always good to remember that we serve the the supernatural God of power who is able.
1: Amen. And even in times of distress, we, we can be comforted. And it's interesting, you know, that it's almost like Paul's, like you said, he said, excuse me a minute, ran downstairs and then came back up and just went back to preaching. And then <laughs> towards daybreak, they fellowshiped and broke some bread together. And then Paul took, took his, you know, departed. Um, and so when they brought the young man in alive, like you said, they were not a little comforted. And it's so good to know that, the God of grace that we serve, the God of mercy that we serve is willing to comfort us in our times of of distress. And Mm -hmm. as we think about that right now, Alex, when we're thinking about the grace and mercies of God and his abilities to comfort us, I want to take just a moment and ask for folks to be in prayer for Rick Warren and his family. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, Rick is the, was the lead pastor, is the lead pastor at Saddleback Church and he's getting ready to retire. And mm. uh, he is. He said he would become known as the founding pastor. But he's got some health issues going on. And mm. so, you know, their family has been through many trials, uh, oh, losing yeah. one of their children. And so just want to be in prayer for them and their ministry there, that God will continue to use that church in a mighty way. And then also uh, I have a friend in ministry, uh Alex, I'm not sure if you met them or not, but Bob Bob Chrysler, his wife Ann, she went home to be with the Lord today. Oh, uh, my word. During the overnight. Yes, sir. And so I want to be praying for them. And then, of course, we know that our uh, family uh, out that are listening to us by radio and even folks that we work with, we know that there's uh, folks there that need to be comforted as well. But if you'd lift those two families up especially today, I sure would appreciate
2: it. Well, let's absolutely do that. And then, uh, Jim, I early this morning met with a man in the hospital, a dear Christian man. um, Truth for a New Generation, the first board chair we ever had some 23 years ago. And uh, we had never done a conference yet. And I got to say this, now. I'm going to pray. I went to see this dear man, Jack Vanderberg, and his wife, Sue, and uh, Beth, and Julie, and John, their kids. Just a wonderful Christian family. But, Jim, Jack and I sat in a car years ago and prayed. We had this idea for an apologetics conference, and we prayed someday we could get Chuck Colson to speak and Dr. Dobson and Josh McDowell. And uh, now this fall we'll be doing our 48th conference in 20-some years, um, and we give God the glory. But I'm going to also lift up the Vandenberg family and the— imminent homegoing of of Jack. But let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, we give you glory. Lord, we give you such honor and glory. And we read about all you did in the book of Acts and you protected Paul and you grew the church and you raised the dead. And so, Lord, we know you are the God who is able. And of course, the greatest the greatest thing over which we rejoice is the empty tomb and the risen Savior. And Father God, we thank you for this broadcast and uh, just all that you are allowing us to do through AFR. And Lord, we just praise your name. But Lord, we especially lift up Rick Warren and the announcement of his retirement. And please minister to his family. Uh, as. And we pray for Saddleback, that you would preserve Saddleback. And just help Brother Rick Warren with his physical issues. And just uh, thy will be done. And then uh, the Chrysler family, the homegoing family. Of, of the wife uh, great friends of this ministry please bless and comfort them and Lord um, may your presence just be very very real for that family right now for you are the God of all comfort um, another dear brother a long time reader of the AFA Journal um, and a follower of Don Wildman for many years my dear friend Jack Vandenberg who's in North Carolina right now uh, may even be In your presence by this point in the day, I don't know, but bless Sue and the Vandenberg family. Let them know not only how much they are loved, but how much uh, you are with them at this moment. And for all the listeners, Lord, no doubt in an audience of this size, there are people with a lot of burdens. And I pray for the person who maybe just randomly was listening to the radio today or listening online, and yet your word for them is to trust And you've got a word that you you are in control and we can be very comforted because Jesus Christ has us in the palm of his hand. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you for the book of Acts and we thank you for what the Holy Spirit is doing around the world and in our lives, even right now. All this we commit to you, dear Jesus. And in your name we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Well, we're in the 20th chapter of the book of Acts and we're at verse pardon me, verse 13. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's discussing how Paul has just left and is now on his way uh, to the ship and uh, sailed to Assos. And they're mm-hmm. intending to take Paul on board for so he had given orders, intending himself to go on foot. And when he met us at Assos, we took him on, pardon me, we took him on board and continued to Mytilene. We sailed from there the next day and came opposite of Sheos and the following day, we arrived at Samos and stayed at Trigillium. Boy, let me tell you something, Alex. This is almost as good as the um, the um, reading the first chapter of Matthew. Oh, you know? and, and the genealogies, <laughs> yeah, of right, the and the names there. But um, it, it, <laughs> it's it's interesting that we get these really good descriptors of where all Paul visited.
2: Oh yeah, um, and and you know what. Um, it's interesting. Um, people like in the colonies, George Whitfield, who went up and down the Eastern Seaboard, and you know, I read about like John and Charles Wesley and George Whitfield and Schubel Stearns and some of these itinerant ministers, and they they say that uh, Whitfield probably preached thirty thousand sermons up and down the colonies. You know, evangelists from time immemorial all the way going back to Paul, have been busy, busy people. And you read about all these places that that Paul went. Uh, he meets with church elders in Ephesus. But here's the thing. Look at verse 16 uh, is very interesting. It says, Paul had determined, and he was a determined servant of the Lord, of course. But he wanted to get to Jerusalem for Pentecost, didn't mm-hmm. he? And um, so... Um, he's determined he was not going to go to Asia, for he was in a hurry. says he hasted, if it were possible, to be at Jerusalem by the day of Pentecost. And um, so he calls the elders of the church of Ephesus, and he begins to talk talk to these Ephesian church leaders. He says he has faithfully served God, even in the tough times, and now he's on his way. And um, he tells the Ephesian Christians that they're probably not ever going to see him again. Now, very interesting. I would encourage you folks, read like verses 19 through 24. Um, And Jim, I know we're a little short for time. I've got to read this. Let me read this. He says, you know, from the first day I came into Asia, after what manner I've been with you at all seasons. In other words, Paul says, uh, I love you, going to miss you. But here's the thing, serving the Lord with all humility, Verse 19, and he says, even in spite of the lying in wait by the Jews. Verse 20, here's what a good preacher does, folks. Paul says, I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God, faith toward Jesus. And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will befall me there, he says he's just compelled by the Spirit. He says, I don't know what's going to happen, but verse 23, this is all Paul cared about, it, that the Holy Ghost would witness in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me, but none of these things move me. Neither do I count my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Mm. Now, Jim, here here's two things that we... Christians of 2021, I think, should take to heart. First of all, verse 20 of Acts 20, Paul says, I kept back nothing. He said, I did not preach a truncated gospel. And nowadays, folks, we preach the love of God. That's true. We need to preach the holiness of God, the judgment on sin. And I think part of the reason our country is as backslidden and carnal as it is, is because some of the pulpits have held back. Mm. Paul didn't. The other thing, verse 24, Paul says, I do not count my life dear to myself. All right. Um, Some ministers do. Uh, Let me just say this, uh, Jim. uh, There's some people in leadership and uh, they're punching a clock and getting a paycheck, but they're not going to hurt themselves. Paul essentially is saying, Hey, I poured myself out. I, I'm not, I'm not coddling my life. I don't count my life dear to myself. But all I want to do, finish my course with joy, in the ministry which I've received of Jesus. I think, Jim, you know, they used to say about NBA players, they left nothing on the court. Right. you know they poured it out. We've got to do that, folks. But to, um, as Francis Schaeffer said, um, and and actually. Uh, he said this uh, before he died, and this was 35 years ago. But he said, "We have got to out pray, out think, out serve, out give, out love, out die this generation." Mm. And At, and one, go go ahead. Barbara. No,
1: I was just going to say, and and you know, to kind of go along hand in hand with that, is the fact that if we really believe. I mean, if we really believe that Jesus could come at any given day, at any given time, what should we be found doing?
2: We should be found Hmm.
1: doing exactly what Paul just said.
2: Yeah, you're right. And, Jim, uh, Friday I met with some listeners that are faithful listeners in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And a gentleman asked me, he said, do you believe that we are near the return of Christ? And I said, well, you know, only the Lord knows but uh it could be and they said you know but what do you think i said okay you're asking i'm going to tell you yeah likely now i don't know we don't set a date um only the lord knows but um i will say this uh on the 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 world stage morally politically Mm -hmm. i mean the the chess pieces are on the table. The Lord Jesus could come at any time. And to your point, Jim, if we really believe that, if this were the last day that I would ever have an opportunity to tell a lost soul about Jesus, if I knew before the sun went down that I was going to face my, my Savior, I mean, how would I live? Well, I I would have my house in order. And we must, folks. And Paul did it. He was ready. And let's live our life like 1 John two twenty eight abiding in Him, serving, that we will have confidence when we see the Lord. And uh, our nation needs it. I, I don't know what's going to happen to the, the future of America, but I know that we've got to do our utmost to to live for Jesus and to really invest ourselves in revival.
1: Amen. Well, and as you look through verses 25 through 37 and you see some of the things That Paul is is teaching to the elders of Ephesus Um, you know one of the things there in verse 28 take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood for I know Mm. this that after my departure savage wolves will come among you not sparing the flock and I think that's where we are now in America and in different parts of the world, we see that Satan is trying to take the flock for his own. But we have the promises of God that won't happen. 888 589 And again, we want to remind you to think of things that unite us.
0: This is a unique moment in the history of our country where we have an opportunity to restore the foundations of this nation. Tony Perkins of Washington Watch. To a nation that once again honors God, it will not happen unless God's people are informed and engaged. Join Tony Perkins for Washington Watch, weekday afternoons at 4 Central and Saturday evening at 6 Central on American Family Radio.
3: They not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. June 2nd, at 5.09 p.m., GOP Chairwoman Rona McDaniel tweeted, Happy Pride Month! The GOP is proud to have doubled our LGBTQ support over the last four years, and we will continue to grow our big tent by supporting measures that promote fairness and balance protections for LGBTQ Americans and those with deeply held religious beliefs. Why is the chairwoman of the Republican Party so excitedly willing to compromise biblical truth? Someone should let Jack Phillips, Aaron and Melissa Klein, Baronell Stutzman and more know that regressives are now willing to compromise. Because Auntie Rona says so.
0: Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. Romans 6.23 says this, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The mile-high rope bridge in North Carolina spans 200 feet across an 80-foot chasm. Once when we were there, everyone else in my family walked across, and I believed that it would hold me up, but I had trouble taking that first step. I just didn't trust the bridge. Finally, I stepped out in faith, and it held me up. Knowing that Jesus has saved others won't save you. We're only saved when we turn from our sin and trust Jesus. If you haven't been saved, turn from your sin and ask Jesus for his gift of eternal life. Place your faith in him and he will save you. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 830 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR.
4: Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is
1: excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio.
2: You're my defender.
1: 888 589 is the number to call. And just before break, I said we want to concentrate on the things that unite us because we mentioned Sabbath earlier during the program. We don't really want to get uh, hijacked by that, if you will, because we know there are folks that believe firmly in both ways, but the basis of which day is the Sabbath or which day is to be worshiped is not what our salvation is built on, is it, Alex?
2: No, it isn't. We agree on things like this, the virgin birth, the deity of Christ, the blood atonement, the physical resurrection. Uh, Jesus, the Son of God, paid for our sins on the cross, and we put our faith in Jesus, and we are saved by faith in Christ and what He did. And, you know, while there are a lot of peripheral things, the the things that unite us are really very basic, and... Uh, this core of Christian truth on which we all believe. Those Mm -hmm. are the things that unite us. And
1: just before we go to the phones, Alex and I were talking yesterday, and uh, one of the things that we talked about was uh, a person who loved the Lord, believed in what the Lord had done in their lives, knew that when they went home to be with the Lord, that they would be with Him in heaven. But then um, we'll call them nosy rosies. How how is that?
2: (laughs) Uh, That's a good word. You know,
1: uh, and, and what happened is the person had bought some burial insurance but it was for cremation and some some dear friends had told the person that since the person had chose cremation they wouldn't be in heaven but Alex that, that's just not true either is it
2: No it isn't um yeah I had a, a dear lady who listens who called me yesterday and she was very very concerned, and uh, my heart just went out to her. And She had a very clear salvation experience of being born again years ago. She had bought for economic reasons. Uh, she prepaid her funeral, and uh, it was cremation. And somebody said, well, cremated people don't go to heaven. And she said, is that true? And I, I said, no, ma'am. I said, heaven is determined by putting your faith in Jesus. Now, mm-hmm. um, and, and I'll say this, the Bible doesn't specify the mode of burial for a Christian. I will grant you, for 2,000 years of western sieve, generally people have been buried in the traditional way, and Christians usually facing east, because when that eastern sky opens up and Christ returns, we'd be looking homeward as Jesus came back and I will grant you, cremation, especially in Western countries, is kind of a new thing. But honestly, um, anybody who has put their faith in Jesus, been born again, they are the ones who go to heaven. And cremation doesn't change that.
1: Amen. And, you know, one of the reasons, like Alex had mentioned, was that for this lady, it, she prepaid it so that she could get, you know, her family wouldn't have to worry about that. Well, folks, that's because funerals and and whatnot in America continue to to just skyrocket. Um, you know, when you consider a, a regular, quote unquote, traditional burial, uh, it can go as from eight to twelve thousand dollars on the high mm-hmm. end, and between yeah. you know four thousand to six thousand, quote unquote, on the low end. And a lot of that has to do with the casket that's purchased. And no offense, there are, there are a lot of great christian funeral home directors out there i want want to be clear about that that really care about the families but sometimes they want to sell a top-of-the-line casket that i'm not going to care about my family you know may think oh we need to put him in that no i've told my family that i want to be cremated and put in a mason jar i'm a pretty easy get along with guy but uh, when you think of some of the caskets and different things that are out there you know, you can spend twelve, fourteen thousand dollars on a casket, and and again, I don't want to offend anybody or anybody that spent that much, but trust me, the person inside that casket, they're not going to care how comfortable it is.
2: No, they're not. And uh, hey, Jim, as a minister, I've I've uh, accompanied a lot of families to the funeral home, and uh, by the way, folks, if when you go there and there's the showroom where they've got all the items it would be just surreal if not um just debilitating to think about making those decisions mm-hmm. except that you've got jesus christ but i i really i'm with you jim it's a stewardship issue because you put that body in the casket or the container and um you know, I, I've I've watched families spend twelve, fifteen, eighteen, twenty thousand dollars, which that's their prerogative. Mm-hmm. But for for those that for stewardship issues and just better use of God's money, um, you know, do things economically, I, I actually think that's pretty wise. So anyway, um, this the mode of burial is one of those areas of Christian liberty. And Jim, you know, th- there's a lot of 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 latitude. In Christian Liberty mm-hmm. born again put your faith in Jesus who shed his blood to wash our sin away that's a non-negotiable that's right but mode of burial and 50 other things we could name really fall under the heading of of Liberty in Christ
1: amen well let's go to the phone lines now for some of the folks that have called in at 888-589-8840 8840 Alex, our first person up this afternoon is Chris from Virginia. Chris, welcome to Exploring the Word.
2: Oh, it's, it's my pleasure, guys. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, just real quick, uh, I just wanted to make a comment. Uh,
0: Alex had mentioned that someone asked him about uh, the return of Jesus and if it's close. Uh, and of course, you know, the biblical answer is only God knows. Uh, and sometimes that, that question does get a little stale sometimes just within the Christian circles. But what I like to do is my answer. I like to make people pause a bit, and I'll answer and I'll say no, I don't believe it is. But we should be living like today is the day, and that gets people to kind of think about it a little bit more. I I think the question is is sort of a little misdirected in that you know people are looking for time frames versus you know how we should be living on a daily basis. So that's all the that's the only thing I wanted to kind of input on the show today
1: all right thanks chris appreciate that you You know alex he is you know folks they it's almost like the question is how much time have i got left you know Hmm. um what what all can i get by with before i really have to start paying attention to this whole rapture thing
2: yeah well and and you're right i've asked people when they'll say well do you know can you give me a time frame and i'm like well why do you want to know Because in a way, and listen, the Bible calls it the blessed hope, Mm -hmm. and the Bible talks about loving his appearing. But um, honestly, we ought to be as on fire for the Lord and as faithful if we knew it was going to be today or 100 years from today. Our our zeal for Jesus and our grateful obedience should be constant regardless of whether we think we're going to see him soon or later.
1: Amen. Sure should. Well, let's talk to Debbie in Ohio this afternoon. Debbie, good afternoon, and welcome to Exploring the Word. Hi, Debbie.
4: Hi. Thanks for taking my call, and I just want to let you guys know I appreciate the spirit of your show and your attitude so much. And so my question is about election, and in the Bible, whenever it talks about the elect, um, is is that saying that God has chosen only certain people to be saved and that he already knows and he's rejecting people to damnation um, already? And what about children and infants in that case?
3: And just wanted to see what your thoughts
1: well, Debbie, those are some great, great questions. We're going to let Alex take the lead on this one.
2: Well, thank you, Sister. God bless you. What a great question and a very pertinent question. Um, in the in the Bible, there is a phrase called the elect of God, and the Ephesians one verse four talks about that we were chosen in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless. As I understand all all the scriptures. Uh, the elect of God are anyone who is born again. Now, there are good, well-intentioned Christian people who differ on this, but I want to say this, I'm only speaking for Alex here. I, in my reading of the Bible and specifically the New Testament, I reject the idea that some are chosen to go to hell and some are chosen to go to heaven Because clearly, um, God offers salvation to all, and it says, whosoever will may come. So I think the elect of God, are anyone who has responded and been born again, and God doesn't elect or force anybody to go to hell, He offers salvation to all. Now, people will quickly say, but what about predestination? Romans 8.29 says, those He foreknew, He predestined... To what? To be conformed to the image of Christ. So, here, short answer here. Predestined and foreknowledge. God knows the decision you'll make. And those that choose Christ, Philippians 1.6, He will complete the work begun at salvation. And you will be conformed to the image of Christ. If you're a born-again believer, one day you'll get a glorified body. So, uh, there's a little more to this that's just in the mind of Christ, and I think beyond the comprehension of our mind. But here's the thing: um, God knows who will and won't believe, and yet we really do have the freedom to respond. And uh, it's not that some couldn't have possibly been saved; it's that they rejected God's overtures. Mm. And and some believe and. Regrettably, some don't.
1: Yeah. Hey, Debbie, thanks for the call this afternoon. We sure appreciate it. And now we're going to talk to uh, John calling from Oklahoma. John, welcome to Exploring the Word.
4: Uh, Yes, I just want to make a quick
1: comment, two comments about the cremation thing.
4: Um, And I want to be gentle on the first one. I don't want to sound rude. But I often wonder what God would be more disappointed in, uh, cremating somebody or throwing $15,000 in a hole in the ground. Uh, knowing that our our soul is you know the the only thing that lives forever and the second part is the story that about Lazarus and Jesus raising him from the dead uh, you know they said when he went to there they said you know he's been in the ground three days he's already stinking which tells me that he was going to be disintegrated within a very short period of time you know they didn't have the ability I guess to keep him forever of the average person and so whether you do it in One day at a crematory or whether you do it in a couple of years in the ground, the Bible says we're going back to dust. And I just don't, I think people need to relax a little bit and realize that God's going to, it's the soul and we're getting a new body anyway. So they need to calm down
1: a little bit. All right. Great. Appreciate those observations. Uh, Folks, we appreciate you calling, exploring the word this afternoon. And now we're going to talk to uh, Hazel calling from Texas. Hazel, good afternoon and welcome to exploring the word. Hi, Hazel. Hello.
4: I'm sorry. I was talking about bringing people together. When there is a disaster and we need blood, it is one blood. We don't ask where that blood came from if our life depends on it.
2: Mm -hmm. And we
4: know the blood of Jesus saved us all. But we as a people we
1: have one blood yeah Mm. you know alex uh, and hazel thank you for that call we sure appreciate it uh one thing to think about with some of the storms and different things that are going on around the country and then even with the accidents you know that uh from memorial day weekend and and different things along that line uh blood is always in in short supply and i don't say that to be flippant it's one of those things that um it's all when you work with a local blood bank and you're able to give, then that's a good thing because there's always going to be someone in the hospital that's going to need it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Angie and I have uh, given blood when uh, the Red Cross or whomever has a blood drive. And and let me say, I was kind of antsy and afraid. Probably I guess I gave blood the first time 25 years ago. Listen, it doesn't hurt. Much. <laughs> I'm
1: glad, uh, and you, I was going to say, brother, I have never called you a storyteller before, but since you yeah. added that much, we can continue to walk in fellowship.
2: Amen. Amen. <laughs> you know, but you you sit there, and it's you never know; it might save somebody's life. And big, uh, manly men out there, let me encourage you to give blood. You'll survive. It won't kill you. And uh, Angie and I have been pretty consistent blood donors for two decades. And, uh, you know, it's funny, the, the the gals are not too squeamish. It's us guys sometimes that are a little uh, hesitant to do it. But I think that is a wonderful thing. It's good citizenship. It's good stewardship. And I, I think it's a good Christian thing to do, to give blood, Jim, don't you?
1: Absolutely. And she was talking about some of the disasters and things that have happened I want to think about the historic flooding that's taken place in Lake Charles and the fact that our friends Mm. with eight days of hope are still there working with some of the families that have been impacted by this. And uh, you can also see where they're going to go next with their rapid response team. You can find that information out at eight days of com. That's eight days of com. And Alex, I, I have one more piece of business this afternoon and, uh, then we're going to, the program's coming up on its end. I want to remind folks that this Sunday is Law Enforcement Appreciation Day.
2: Amen. And
1: for more information on that, folks can visit afa.net. Alex, thanks for letting me hang out.
2: Well, hey, let's do it again. Folks, you've been listening to Exploring the Word. Keep on reading the latter part of Acts Chapter 20. We're going to pick up again tomorrow. Tell somebody about the great programming of American Family Radio Network. Tell somebody about exploring the Word, but most of all, tell everybody about Jesus.